Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bailey is tracked down for a short loss. Shamarco Thomas. It's like a missile. It's a heat-seeking missile to the football. Charles finding someone, directing his body, and trying to run through that person. An explosive safety. For some programs, maybe it doesn't mean as much. For this Syracuse program, it means a lot. What's up, Syracuse fans? It's Mike McAllister from AllSyracuse.com, part of the Sports Illustrated Network with Episode 16 of the Believe in Syracuse podcast presented by Bet Online and Hoffman Sausage Company. Internet sensation Kyle F. is here with me again as we look to break down Syracuse's matchup on Saturday against Boston College, an old Big East rival, now an ACC rival. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Mike. You know, my Saints traded for my favorite player of all time, Mark Ingram, today. Brought him back to the the Big Easy. My Knicks are, I believe, three and one now. It's a great time to be alive. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the head coach of my favorite team, Philadelphia Eagles, uh, made a reference to them building their organization and their roster up to uh, flowers, fertilizing and watering themselves. So that's, there's that pretty normal, normal. pretty normal. That's right. I mean, what, what better way than to motivate a bunch of, you know, 20 and 30 year old macho, strong football players, millionaires, millionaire football players, then here's a picture of a flower with some roots growing. I mean, if that doesn't make you want to run through a wall, I'm honestly that I figured out, why Dino Babers does not have three national championships yet. He hasn't shown the flower. He hasn't. Yeah, the flower Get out yet. on that, Dino. And that Get is why, it. Mike, until the flower is brought out, this hate is going to continue <laughs> from fans towards us for our takes, towards Dino for his his management. It's going to continue. I mean, if if you go through the season, you don't end up making a bowl game, and you didn't at least try the flower method, are you really trying? Seriously. No, no, no not at not. all. But before we get to that, we're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sports book experts. On a serious note, we're going to get into Boston College, and we'll start by taking a look at their season so far. Boston College started out like gangbusters, four and zero, three blowout wins, a fourth win over an SEC team. In overtime, 41 to 34 over Missouri. Boston College was looking great. Again, 4 0. Uh, they were one of the surprise teams in the ACC. Jeff Halfley was considered one of the up and coming coaches. Boston College fans were worried about being able to hold on to him in the offseason. Despite losing their starting quarterback, things were clicking on both sides of the ball. And then they started playing ACC games. They, they lost at Clemson 19 to 13, fell at home to NC State 33 to 7, and then just lost at Louisville 28 to 14, only managing 14 points against a below average 
Louisville defense. They have been struggling offensively of late, but that is Boston College. They come in four and three. They're 0 and three in conference play. Their wins are against Colgate, UMass, Temple, and Missouri. Colgate, UMass, and Temple are all teams that basically any Power Five team should beat up on. Missouri is an SEC team, but they've got a very poor defense. They are not a great team by any means. And then Syracuse, I'm sorry, then Boston College starts playing conference opponents that know them. And as I mentioned, things have not been going well for them to the point where fans are calling for a new quarterback. Not really a concern about Jeff Halfley being pried away by a bigger program at this point. Um, kind of coming in the opposite of Syracuse, where Syracuse feels like they're starting to trend upwards with that big win against Virginia Tech. And, and it looks like Boston College feels like they're they're starting to spiral the other direction. I mean, they're spiraling the wrong direction completely. I mean, averaging 11 points against three ACC schools, you know, considerably not great. I've heard, I've heard you do want to score more than 11 points a game. Or uh, 11.33 points a game. My bad. Let me get my numbers correct here. As a math person, I got to get that on the spot. Uh, that's not great. And the fact that they are trending in this direction is, is good for us, at least. Um, and I know we'll discuss their team's makeup and how their team kind of functions as a whole, offensively, defensively, in a little bit. Um, personally, the positives that, as I said, they're going the wrong direction. They really can't hold um, – Defensively, they've not been ideal in the last three games against the ACC schools, um, given up uh, a considerable, considerable number of points here. Uh, if my math is correct, which it usually is, they go up 80 points in the three games, uh, which ends up being give or take 28, 29 points a game. Um, again, not good giving up that many points and only scoring 11. Uh, so I'm personally quite excited to face them. <laughs> yeah. And, and that includes uh, going up against Clemson's offense, which is, is not good to say the least, but you know, NC state and Louisville are, are decent. The NC state is, is a really good team. I think uh, them versus wake forest, which is probably going to be for the ACC Atlantic is going to be um, an interesting, uh, interesting matchup. Louisville has a quarterback that gives a lot of people problems uh, with his ability to run the ball. So, you know, it's, it's not like they're doing that against a team like UMass, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's alarming from a Boston college perspective for sure. Part of the, the reason that they have had their share of struggles is the quarterback situation. Their starter Dennis Grozel has had his share of struggles in the last few games has really hurt uh, the, the offense's ability to get going. Um, their superstar quarterback, Phil Jerkovic, is uh, out for the season. He suffered an injury in game two and hasn't played since. Uh, Dennis Grozel is completing 58% of his passes. He has six touchdowns, seven interceptions. He's only throwing for about 160 yards a game. So he has has really struggled to get this offense going. Now, he's a decent runner of the football. Um, he has... 65 yards on the season, but a lot of that has been taken away due to sacks, uh, but does have two rushing touchdowns. Um, he's, he, he's, he's really had some issues as they've gotten into conference play. So um, the, the big question is, are they considering a change? And if they do, the options that they have are guys that 
don't have a lot of experience. Um, there's there's three guys. So I, I talked to AJ Black, who covers Boston College for Sports Illustrated. You can check out his website at bcbulletin.com. And he gave three options. Dalen Maynard, who is a junior, has played one snap this season, which was a handoff to a running back that ended up with a safety. So fun, fun, pretty good right there. Pretty good. Right, right. So, I mean, if if every time he hands the ball off, it's a safety, that's probably good for Syracuse. You probably want to run for him. Big time. Uh, Matthew Roove, who is a 6'4 freshman, um, redshirt freshman, is another option. Um, Jeff Halfley described him as someone who processes really quickly and is good on the run, good outside the pocket. He is probably the most mobile of your three options. So if you are rooting against a mobile quarterback who can hurt you with his legs, you probably don't want to see him. But the guy that is getting the most buzz and is the most discussed option among Boston College fans is Emmett Moorhead. He is a 6'6", true freshman, uh, played his high school ball b- before coming to college in Virginia, was originally from California. Um, the, the skinny on him is that he has a cannon of an arm. He has tremendous amount of potential, but is still very raw at this point and hasn't played competitive football since 2019 because last season, which was a senior year of high school, his was canceled because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So I think he's the guy that has the most talent and the most potential, but is the uh, probably most prone to mistakes, getting some deer in headlights because this is going to be a completely new environment for him and, you know, it would be tough the first time you played in two years to go against that athletic Syracuse defense with that good secondary in a place like the Dome that has been a very good atmosphere all season. So I think it'll be really interesting to see what Boston College does at quarterback this week. You know what? If they go away from uh, if they go away from their starter, if they go away from Grossel, I don't see why I don't give more head a shot. If I'm being honest, based on the fact that one of them has only had a single safety in his career and has not done anything else. The other is a redshirt freshman who, again, has not done anything else. And you see uh, Moorhead as the most talented and the highest potential. If you're going to make the change, may as well tear the Band-Aid off and go for it. I mean, as we saw with SU, we had that weird two, three-week span where it was like they're kind of splitting reps to Vito and Schrader. Who's going to actually play here? And it left everyone in limbo and we played poorly. And then all of a sudden – you give Schrader the ball and he looks fantastic. I don't see why you don't give Morehead a game or two and be like, Hey, you know what? Let's go. Let's go have a day, kid. Go have a day. Now for them, they have what, five games left. I believe they have us, Virginia tech, Georgia tech, Florida state and wake forest. Yes. You could, I believe that's correct. Which is uh, there. We're all around the same ish record outside of wake forest. Everyone's either four and three, four and four, three and four general same area. May as well run him out there against us, give him a tough defense, and then next week he might face a Virginia Tech defense that notably is probably not as good as SU. We saw him last week. They're not our defense is great. Um, run him out there against Virginia Tech and then say one more game against Georgia Tech. See where you're at, three games. If it looks good, you get Florida State and Wake. I don't see why you don't do that. If 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 gross, if you're gonna go away from gross and your starter, may as well swing for the fence and be like, hey. Let's get him some reps because if next year we have a real battle, hey, what's the worst that happened? You got reps and we didn't do anything well. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and, and if 
from a Boston College perspective, they're four and three. If they don't win this game with with the final four games that they've got coming up, as you mentioned, Virginia Tech at Georgia Tech, Florida State, Wake Forest, three of the four are at home. But Florida State's been playing much better lately. Wake Forest is undefeated and and is the favorite to win the Atlantic right now. Uh, we just saw Virginia Tech. I think that's a winnable game for Boston College, especially um, at home. But, uh, you know, Georgia Tech has given teams a lot of fits, and, and it's at their place. So if if Boston College doesn't win this game, I think uh, they're in real danger of, of not getting to six wins to make a bowl game. So the the decision they make at quarterback is is critical not only for this game, but I think for the rest of the season. It's tailgating season, and no one does it better than Hoffman Sausage Company. Beer Bratwurst, Jalapeno Cheddar Sausage, Kabasi, and Bun Length Chicken Sausage. Add them to the menu with classic German Franks and Snappy Grillers, and fans will go wild. Proudly made in New York since 1879, when you bite into a Hoffman, you experience a little bit of upstate history. Taste tells, Hoffman is a proud partner of Syracuse University Athletics. Shifting to the other side of the ball, we will get to the rest of Boston College's offense shortly. But on the other side of the ball, Boston College has one of the best passing defenses in the ACC. That is obviously a very good thing for them. However, there is still a major weakness. Can I guess that weakness is? If I'm guessing the you passing can guess defense is the good? Weak- I'm going to guess you can, you can guess this is definitely not educated and we did not discuss this before the show. So this is completely off the cuff. If he happens to get this right, it's only because he is extremely smart, not because we discussed this previously. Go yes. ahead. Interesting. Kyle F is taking a swing for the fences here. And also based on the fact that you said they have an elite pass defense, I'm guessing their run defense probably isn't that good. That's that is accurate. Um, not only is is the who knew um, completely lucky guess. No no uh, prep work done there at all. Uh, Boston College gives up over 100, uh, 155 rushing yards per game and over four point four yards per carry. Um, they've given up nine rushing touchdowns in seven games so far this season. So I think that's that's obviously where if you're Syracuse, you're going to attack teams rush run defenses anyway. Like Syracuse does not care if you're a what? good run defense. They don't. Us, they ran the ball all over Clemson. They us don't. Care. Wanting to attack a run defense, I couldn't. Again, I can't imagine. I don't know I why know. we do that. <laughs> but uh, to to the point of Boston College's pass defense, right? Syracuse is number two in the ACC in passing defense, giving up only 192 yards per game. They are one of only two teams holding opponents to under 200 yards passing per game. The other team is Boston College, the team with the number one pass defense in the ACC with just 189.6 yards per game. They have eight interceptions on the season, which is tied for the most uh, tied for the second most in the ACC behind Louisville's nine. Um, They have given up seven passing touchdowns. But again, uh, they have been very good against the pass, forcing turnovers. Now, despite the fact that they haven't given up a ton of passing yards and they have forced a bunch of interceptions. What they have not done is pressure the quarterback. They are not a good team at sacking the opposing quarterback. In fact, they are last in the ACC with just eight sacks 
in seven games. And of all the other teams that have played seven games, the next closest to them is Georgia Tech, which has five more than they do. Syracuse, by the way, is number one in the ACC in sacks with 28 on the season. So that tells you that even though their passing defense has been very good this season, that means their secondary is really good. They're not a team that is going to pressure the quarterback, which helps Syracuse, I think, in a variety of ways. And I think also tells you why Boston College struggles against the run because they're not able to get penetration means their defensive line, their front seven has not been great at playing on the other side of the line of scrimmage, which benefits Syracuse in two ways. One, I've heard a rumor that Garrett Schrader can run the ball a little bit. He's, he's okay at that. He's decent at that. Interesting. I've also, I've also heard a rumor if I can add Mike that we have a, we have the, the leading rusher in the nation. Is that, is that accurate? I've heard I've heard a rumor about that as well. I'm still trying to confirm such rumors, but okay. Let me know when let me know when you do. I will. Um, I'll text a couple of sources while we're recording this and see what I can what I can get. But um, Garrett Schrader, when when Syracuse drops back to pass, one of the things that really hurt Virginia Tech was on called passing plays when the receivers were not open because Virginia Tech had a very good passing defense as well as we noted in our preview of that game. Their big issue was they couldn't get to Garrett Schrader and they had a better front seven in terms of pressuring the quarterback than Syracuse. Uh, I'm sorry, than, than Boston College does. So Virginia Tech is number three in the ACC in passing defense. Um, so this is a situation where if the receivers aren't open for Syracuse, he is not going to have pressure in his face based on the way Boston College has played so far, which means that's going to give him opportunities to run the ball when the receivers aren't open, which again, benefits Syracuse. So all of that said, if I'm Syracuse going into this game offensively, I'm licking my chops at the uh, ability to put up another big day on the ground and put up a bunch more points. I'm going to be honest. If Syracuse doesn't, doesn't crack 300 yards on the ground, I would be shocked. I mean, we've seen it multiple games now. We almost broke that last game. If we don't crack 300 yards, that's a shocker. I would expect Schrader to be at 150, Tucker to hit 150. Heck, give give Pena, give Lutz, give Jorion Howard, give anyone else some yards too. Abdul Adams, somebody. May as well. Well, they're all at it. Like, if you have such a bad run defense and a, a bad a, a, an inability to pressure the quarterback, one you should attack the run defense because then again, late game, they'll be tired because as we've seen Schrader late game, running the ball is a menace. So imagine them tired against the run, then late game, not pressuring the quarterback who can then run on a tired run defense. It, if, if say the score is close late game, if you can pull that trick out of your bag late and he runs for like three rushes of like 60 yards, May as well. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's an underrated part of Syracuse's rushing attack is the ability to wear teams down so that when you get into those late game situations, you know, I think that played a factor in Virginia Tech's defense in those last two drives for Syracuse is that they were just so tired from trying to stop that run all game uh, between Schrader and Sean Tucker that 
when it came to those end of game situations, even though they have a very good passing defense, they knew Syracuse had to throw the ball and they still couldn't stop them. And I think fatigue played a big role in that. And and I agree with your point here. I think that there's an opportunity for Syracuse to wear down the Boston College defense in this one as well. Flipping to the other side of the ball where Boston College has been good offensively is with their rushing attack. Patrick Garwo, one of the better backs in the ACC Boston College um, is averaging over 160 rushing yards per game this season, 4.3 yards per carry. They have 14 touchdowns. They are led by, as I mentioned, Patrick Garwo, who has 605 yards, averaging over six yards per carry, five touchdowns on the season. Um, Alex Sinkfield is another back who will get some carries. He's he's averaging almost five yards a carry, uh, just under 200 yards in the season with just one touchdown. And then Travis Lee, who is a very good returner for them as well, um, has four rushing touchdowns for Boston College. They've got a, as much as their offense has struggled to throw the ball, they do have a good rushing attack which I think is going to test Syracuse's defense, especially with the holes that were opened by Virginia Tech last week. So it's going to be interesting to see how Syracuse approaches this one. It will be. And to give some context on how good Garo has been, you gave his stats. He's averaging 6.1 yards per carry, which for those at home wondering is the exact same number Sean Tucker's averaging per rush. So that should give you an idea of the realm he's in. Obviously, he's only got 99 rushes for 605. So he's not up to where Tucker is. And he's got five touchdowns, but realistically, he should be he's basically on par with Sean Tucker in terms of statistically where he should be, um, which is a very scary sight to see, uh, especially what we've seen Sean Tucker do. That is a, a scary place to be in um, and then averaging as many rush touchdowns as they are. I mean, they have 14 rushing touchdowns in, in their seven games. They're averaging two a game. That's notably pretty good. If you're averaging two rushes in the game, that's pretty solid. And their entire rushing attack, they have three rushes at minimum that I can see long-wise, three players over 40-yard rushes. Obviously, one of them is Jerkovic, who's out. But Zay Flowers, their receiver, who we'll discuss in a little bit, has a 47-yard rush. Garwo's got a high of 67. I mean, that's that's a dangerous, dangerous possibility of saying, hey, these guys can run all over you. That is not great, and I do not like seeing that. Um, so we and we saw Virginia Tech have success with that last week, right? With with those long runs, and Virginia Tech came in not having the reputation of breaking off those long runs. They had only had one rush of over thirty yards all season coming in, and I think they had four against Syracuse. So that's definitely an area that Syracuse is going to want to clean up in this game. If if they can limit Boston College's rushing attack, and I think that's where Boston College is going to try to attack the Syracuse defense. You know, they've struggled giving up sacks this year. Uh, Their offensive line has struggled in pass protection. So if you're Boston College that's given up um, 12 sacks in, in seven games, but, you know, have been worse in ACC play, um, you you don't want to sit back and let Syracuse's defensive line come after you. You want to keep them at bay. You don't want to give Syracuse the opportunity to bring pressure uh, to have those athletic linebackers come after you, especially if they do make a change of quarterback and go to someone with less experience. Um, 
like uh, an Emmett Moorhead who is six, six, but he's not necessarily looked at as, as an extremely mobile guy. Uh, I don't believe as mobile as a Dennis Grossel. So you've got someone who's sort of sitting back there in the pocket and just inviting people to come after him and hit him. And when you've got an inexperienced guy that can lend itself to some unforced errors, some turnovers, some second and long third and long situations. So I'm expecting Boston college is going to come out and try to establish the run. Um, to try to help out whichever quarterback that is, whether it is a struggling Dennis Grossel, whether it is one of these new guys, uh, they're definitely going to want to establish a running game and, and have some success there to not only keep Syracuse's offense off the field, but to uh, put some pressure on Syracuse's defense and not let them do what they do best, which is get after the quarterback. Um, that's what I'm expecting to see Boston College do uh, on Saturday. Their offensive line, as I mentioned, they're a very physical offensive line. They have done a really nice job on the run. But um, when I spoke to A.J. Black from BC Bulletin this week, um, he he mentioned that they have had their struggles in, in pass protection at times. And I think that's an opportunity that Syracuse can take advantage of. But, you know, Boston College's coaching staff's not dumb. They they know that. They understand that. And, and they're going to have a plan to, to try to limit Syracuse's opportunity to get those negative plays. Three players that I want to bring to everyone's attention. Uh, you already mentioned one of them, Zay Flowers, who is Boston College's number one wide receiver. Some of his numbers are a bit down strictly because their quarterback situation has been a mess. And even with that, he still leads the team with 29 catches. He has 395 yards in seven games. It's only 56 yards per game, but he does have two receiving touchdowns. Trey Berry is their other big target. With 288 yards and three touchdowns, he leads the team in touchdown receptions. But Zay Flowers is the most dynamic talent. And if and if Boston College does go with a guy like an Emmett Moorhead who has a better arm than Dennis Grossel, that's where Syracuse's secondary has to be careful because Flowers is a guy who can get behind you. He can take a short pass and turn into a big play. Uh, he is just a dynamic wide receiver. He's going to play on Sundays. And A.J. Black told me this week that um, Zay Flowers is the best wide receiver that he has ever seen play at Boston College, that that's not hyperbole. That's just how good he's been. So Syracuse has to know where he is at all times. I was going to say, he is a legitimate NFL prospect. He is on par with the Justin Ross of the world in terms of talent that we saw Justin Ross play against SU. We locked him down. This is going to be a different challenge with Zay Flowers because you said he can get behind the defense. He's 5'10 and 177. He is a smaller receiver. Does not mean he's less scary. That Justin Ross and Roberson are were those big, big, big body receivers. They were expecting to get physical, jump for the ball. This guy is 5'10. He's going to probably burn you in some way, shape, or form. He's going to get by somebody. I would expect this, if Williams is healthy, I would expect this to be Garrett Williams plus safety over the top help of some sort. I would expect a second guy to be in coverage here. That's where we're looking talent-wise, which you said will open up the door for Trey Berry, the tight end. It'll open the door for him to get some catches. 6'6", six, six, 240 pounds, by the way. 6'6", six, six, 240 pounds. Notably, not a small person, Trey Berry. Right. Um, it's, it's a very scary attack to go at, um, which is is not good to see, but the fact they have had quarterback struggles and the fact that we don't know who their quarterback is going to be does help a little bit because we saw with us, with SU, that Tosh Harris, deep threat. He was going to get in behind defenses and burn you. And Schrader had a big arm, 
throw the ball deep. That first week or two could not find Taj to save his life. Just kept overthrowing him, underthrowing him, problems across the board. If it's Moorhead, I would hope and expect probably the same thing to happen. So it does leave me a bit of relief. And also I'm relieved with the fact that Garrett Williams and Deuce Chestnut are both lockdown corners. If Williams is healthy, he'll be going against him. If not, Deuce is going to have that assignment, I would assume. And I would expect Deuce to want to prove something and be like, you're this NFL talent. If I'm playing on Sundays, I got to beat you at some point. So I'm going to beat you right now. May as well go at it. And that personally is going to be scary. And I've known I've said the word scary multiple times, but all of a sudden, as I said, 6'6", six, six, Trey Berry, it's a human being on the field too. And tight ends are notably one of the toughest positions to cover because they're matchup problems. Who are you going to put Mikael Jones on him? Mikael Jones is not 6'6", six, six, notably. It's it's a problem. And if he's a second highest receiver, I'd expect him to be cracking 60 yards in this game, I would assume. Yeah, I mean, he's he's going to be, uh, you know, Syracuse has had trouble with those bigger body receivers. And even though he's a tight end, he's he's still someone that Boston College is going to try to get the ball to. When you have a young quarterback or an inexperienced quarterback, the tight end can often be his best friend. So uh, keep an eye on him for sure. Now, two players on the defensive side of the ball that I want to talk about the Syracuse fans should pay attention to. First is linebacker Isaiah Graham Mobley, who is the Boston College's leading tackler. Um, not only in total tackles with 46, but solo tackles with 30. So even though Boston College has had their issues with stopping the run, he's the guy that if they're going to have success and they're going to try to limit Sean Tucker and Garrett Schrader, he's the guy that you're going to look to to be the the playmaker type, the guy that's going to be able to make those stops in the hole and, and keep some of those runs to three, four, five yards instead of nine, 10, 11 yards. So he's someone to keep an eye on for sure. And then Josh DeBerry, a defensive back who is number two on the team in tackles. He leads the team in tackles for loss. Um, he He's only 5'11", but he plays much bigger than that. Um, he is tied for the team lead in quarterback hurries. He's got two pass breakups, tied for the team lead in interceptions, um, has a forced fumble. So does a little bit of everything, right? So he, he covers, uh, he can come down and play in the box against the run and you can rush the passer with him as well. So Josh DeBerry, kind of like a linebacker safety hybrid type, does a little bit of everything um, and is one of Boston College's most dynamic players defensively. Yeah, and both of them scary, scare me. Sorry, not scary, both of them scare me. Uh, DeBerry, the fact that he can do it all is a very, very scary thing. And something we discussed last week about players with either solo tackles or assisted tackles, he's got 26 solo tackles and seven assisted tackles. That should tell you something, that he is, he is a, he can tackle someone on his own, does not need help tackling, which is a big thing in college that if you can tackle on your own, you've got NFL talent right in your blood. That's just how it works is that a lot of those guys need who need a gang tackle to help them. It's tough to bury. Not so 26 and seven is scary. Graham Mobley, as you said, 30 and he's got 16 assisted tackles, obviously linebackers to like it to happen, but 30 solo tackles is a big number. Um, so I would expect him to be kind of roaming across the field against SU. He's a 6'1", 230 guy from PA. He's a senior. He's a big kid. I would expect him to be involved in a lot of the plays. I would expect this matchup to be him versus Sean Tucker. That's 
I would expect Graham Mobley to go up against Tucker. That to be the the number one matchup today uh, to watch for. I think DeBerry is, I would assume, going to have a bit of an easier day because I don't expect us to throw the ball out the yard. Um, so it takes him a little bit more out of the equation. But still, it's both of them are quite scary propositions to have to face now. Yeah, and and uh, no offense to Mr. Graham Mobley, but I'm I'm going to go with Sean Tucker in that matchup, and that has nothing to do with it with how good or not good Graham Mobley is. It just has everything to do with how good Sean Tucker has been so far this season. Uh, the last thing before we get into predictions, we know Syracuse has had their issues on special teams this season, right? And, and you know they were on full display last week against Virginia Tech. They were on full display the week before against Clemson. Andre Schmidt missing. Uh, a field goal against Clemson that could have potentially tied it. He had an extra point blocked against Virginia Tech that was run back for a touchdown. And then he also missed a short 18-yard field goal against Virginia Tech. So to say that Syracuse's special teams have had their share of issues this season is probably putting it mildly. So what is Boston College like on that side, of, on that phase, in that phase of the game? Can they take advantage of some of Syracuse's struggles? And I do think that they've got an opportunity to have an advantage in this game on special teams. And it's not the fact that they've got Connor Litton, who is their new kicker this season um, as their normal starter. Uh, Danny Longman has, has been out for the season from playing early this year. Connor Litton is four for five on field goals. Um, he's only attempted one over 40 yards, but it was a 49 yarder and he made it. So he's been pretty solid. And I think in a, in a place like the dome with, with a good environment, don't have to worry about the wind or, or the elements that, you know, especially inside of 40, he's someone that, you know, I think Boston college feels pretty comfortable with um, from a return standpoint. They've, they've got a returner in, in Travis Levy, who is pretty good. Um, he's averaging about 38 yards per kick return, but he's only returned seven on the season. So about one per game, but he does have a 96 yard touchdown return this season. So someone Syracuse is going to have to pay attention to, but where I think they really have the advantage here is in the punting game. Grant Carlson, Boston college's punter is averaging over 46 yards per punt. He's pinned 10 inside the opponent's 20. He's had 13 in seven games of over 50 yards. So he's got a big leg. He is used to pitting opposing teams deep into their own territory. Whereas on the flip side, Syracuse has really struggled with their, their punting game. Short punts, giving the opposing team short fields has been an issue all season. Boston College could have a major advantage in the field position battle in this game. It could be a, a serious, serious problem. And I'm just looking at it statistically. Uh, Carlson is one of the top 15 punters in college football currently in average punt yards per attempt. Again, not ideal that they have a punter who can boot that ball. I mean, in recent years, you look back, that's what we had Swing Hoffrick are doing. That's what, if you go farther back, Riley Dixon was doing last year. Nolan Cooney, that's what he was doing. We don't have that right now. James Williams, as you said, has been off this year. That is just something that we've noticed. He has shanked more punts than once. Not ideal. It's It does scare me that having a good punter. Because as we've seen, if your punter makes a mistake, it puts the other team in a good position field-wise, he's not going to do that. 
He's not making mistakes. He's going to hit nukes. He's going to bomb that ball downfield. A punter makes a difference in a game. He's always discussed the last team on the field you need to worry about. No, 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 no. It matters. Because if we start at the 20-yard line, we're starting at the 37-yard line. That's a big difference. That is two, three less plays we have to run if we start at the 37 than the 20. That's just how it works. So I'm having a good punter, a great kicker, a good returner who has housed one this year. It's scary. Our special teams has been off this year, which is wild. And I, I also know we don't have a special teams coordinator, which I actually didn't know until this past week, uh, which quite scary to think. I know that's strange. I know it's a wild thing to say, but it's it's clear, clearly catching up with Dino Babers and SU not having a coordinator dedicated to just dealing with uh, Williams and Schmidt and Pena. It's It's a problem right now. Yeah, and and on the special teams coordinator thing, uh, Syracuse lost their special teams coordinator um, in in the offseason to Vanderbilt. Justin Lustig went to um, become the special teams coordinator there for his his good friend and and uh, their new head coach, former um, former coach at Syracuse, but uh, was also the defense coordinator at Notre Dame before that. But even still the loss of Justin Lustig, I think was, was pretty significant for Syracuse in this off season. And I think they thought that they could piecemeal it, but that's obviously not working. So don't be surprised if that's a change in the coaching staff during the off season, but that's, that's for the off season going into this game. I agree with you. I think field position is going to be a huge thing. And if, if Boston college is going to win this game, because there's a lot of clear advantages for Syracuse, but if Boston College is going to win this game, I think one of the ways they do that is by dominating special teams. And to your point, the the field position battle is going to be has the potential to be such a, a critical uh, factor in this one. But um, all of that said, let's start with predictions to wrap up this episode. And Kyle, I'll let you go first this week. I mean, I'm looking at BC. I'm looking at their scores, how they've done the past few weeks, especially. As we said ahead of time, they gave up 29 points a game in the ACC play and only scored 11 or so. And you go and look at us, we're putting up notably a lot more points outside of the Clemson game. We've put up at least 30 at each, each game in the ACC. So I'm going to be honest, I have a lot more faith in us than I do them. I think them having a poor run defense is going to hurt them. I think Tucker and Schrader combined for 350 at least. I mean, we have two or three rushing touchdowns at the minimum uh, from the pair. Uh, I think SU takes this one. I'm I'm thinking 41 to 17. I think we we run the score up. I think this offense finally gets going and does it. And the defense has a good bounce back game after a tough Virginia Tech 36 pointer. I think the defense plays well. Offense plays well. We get a turnover or two. I think we I think we rock out of there 41 17. I don't think there's a single Syracuse fan that would be mad if that came true. Um, I, I do have Syracuse coming out on top of this one as well. I'm not quite with you in terms of the the large score discrepancy, but it's still a, a somewhat comfortable margin given the heart attack inducing games from the last four or five weeks for Syracuse fans. I've got Syracuse coming on out on top 34 to 24 in this one. I think Boston college, they might make a, an impact on special teams, but it's not enough to overcome the advantage that Syracuse has in terms of its ability to run the ball. Boston college's offense. that has really struggled even with a new quarterback. I don't think that, that there's a guy there 
that in this particular game gives them enough of a spark to allow them to suddenly become this prolific offense. Um, it could throw Syracuse for a loop a little bit. It's someone you, that's, that's tough to game plan for without seeing a ton of tape on them. But largely, I think Syracuse has advantages in key areas. I think Tucker and Schrader are going to have big games once again, and Syracuse is going to get past the 30-point mark, and that's going to be tough for Boston College to overcome. So I'll take 34-24 to 24 Syracuse. Syracuse improves to five and four on the season and gets to within one game of bowl eligibility or potentially already bowl eligible because there are going to be five and seven teams making bowl games this year. So um, that's that's something to keep an eye on. That'll do it for episode 16 of the Believe in Syracuse podcast presented by Bet Online at Hoffman Sausage Company. For Kyle F., I'm Mike McAllister, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.